Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Buckle up, because it's going to be a long ride. It's going to be a wild ride. Nobody cares, but we're going to tell you anyways. This is Popcorn Chats. Okay, what's up everyone? Welcome back to Popcorn Chats. I'm Katie. And I'm McKay. And this week we're talking about the new Hulu series, The Girl from Plainville, starring Elle Fanning, talking about this messed up individual, no offense, but also offense. You told somebody to kill themselves, so I feel like it's okay to talk badly about this person. Michelle Carter, the series is based on a true story about the teenager, Michelle Carter. She's not a teenager anymore. It's crazy because she was, she is our age. Like she Mm -hmm. was graduating high school when we did. when all this went down. So yeah, basically, if you don't know the story, I don't know why you would be listening to this episode, but Michelle Carter was tried for manslaughter of her boyfriend, Conrad Roy. Basically, she texted him telling him to kill himself and like encouraging him to do so. Basically, the show is kind of about these detectives trying to find her motive and us as an audience wondering about that too. And spoiler alert, it hasn't gotten to this part really as a big reveal in the show yet, but it's because she wanted to be like Leah Michelle because she really loved Glee. And if you don't know the tragic story behind that, baby, that's a whole other thing. It but- was a whole host of things. <laughs> Like this, I think that was part of it. The show, the documentary, I prefer much more than this uh, fictionalized version of it. HBO has a documentary called I Love You Now Die. And I'm pretty sure it's two parts. An incredible documentary. I watched it when it first came out. Very fascinating. Gets into like the nitty gritty of the case, which I would highly recommend that if you've watched the show, go and watch that as well. Because I think it gives you way more information than the show can obviously show. Because they have to like make this entertaining. We're in the documentary is just laying out what happened. And I did want to watch that in anticipation for this episode. I just ran out of time. Since we're covering the show, I like prioritize watching all five episodes that are out right now. But 2020 also did uh, an episode on it too. So, but I know that you've spoken very highly of the I Love You Now Die mm-hmm. on HBO. So I think I want to watch that because I know people are saying that it's interesting to kind of see what is fictionalized and what isn't. And I do want to get into a conversation a little bit about this trend in Hollywood currently. I mean, it's always kind of been a trend to do like biopics and things based on real events. But lately, it just seems like there is a lot of like, I mean, we know that pop culture is hugely obsessed with like true crime and all those types of podcasts and serial killers and lots of stuff is coming out about like being based on true stories. And um, I don't know how I feel about that, especially like when it's dealing with something like someone's death and like suicide I just think it's a little bit of a touchy subject obviously yeah I don't feel as bad about us talking about it on this podcast here because it's a literal like it's a show if it wasn't a show we wouldn't have ever talked about it I think where a lot of people's beef lies is with true crime podcasts and those people on their podcasts pulling random unknown cases out of nowhere and like highlighting them and not talking to families not talking to friends and spinning their own narrative to make their own 
podcast. And I think that is like fucked up. The more that I think about true crime podcasts, like I used to listen to a lot of them, but I haven't listened to one in years. And I do think that certain cases, obviously like this one was highly publicized. Like I I feel like this one, everyone knows about it. Like, yeah, that doesn't make it any easier for the families, but like the media attention was insane to this case. Where, like, some of these, like, little small town murders that get brought up that these true crime podcasters go digging for to, like, find one that no one has talked about and then, like, don't take into account the family or the victims themselves. Like, that is kind of fucked up. Even, like, some of the people that are survivors and the people do stories about them and then the survivors, like I see on TikTok, are like, this is literally not true. And they just did, like, a whole episode claiming to, like, know everything about this case in my life. So, I feel like in this being, like, a fictionalized drama show, I don't feel like us speaking on that is as bad because everyone knows about this case so i don't yeah. really think we're bringing anything new to it no um, definitely and not. also we're not necessarily talking i mean yeah we're obviously going to talk some about like the actual case and like the people themselves but it is like our focus is the show itself and how they took this case and made it into a show but i just want to preface that conrad's family was not involved and that they asked to see the scripts and they were not allowed to see any of the scripts and that their mm-hmm. biggest like concern was that michelle was going to be defended in this show i don't think she she has so far i think she's still no looks, she looks like horrible to me <laughs> yeah viewership so i don't necessarily think they're i don't know i don't necessarily think they're like trying to defend her but we'll see how it boils down and if they like do try to take an em- uh, empathetic turn towards her but yeah. i think it was interesting that his family was not involved which like i get because like really that like as a creative person to have like some a victim's family like that in your email, on every draft. Like, that would just be, like, I feel like almost an impossible process to create a show. Because, unfortunately, like, both sides do have a bias. And if they consulted Michelle or her family or, or anyone, you know, it would be bias in her direction. And if they consulted with the family, which it would have made more sense to do so and maybe been a bit of a courtesy to allow them to read the script and if they did have suggestions like note those just me as a creator like that's what I would have done yeah I mean if you're like just taking the case and making a show based on the case and then claiming at the beginning that there are fictionalized parts for dramatic effect I don't think you're really doing anything wrong um and they probably just wanted to avoid bias We've talked about before when things are handling real people um, and things that actually are based on true events. It's kind of, oh, fuck, I just lost my train of thought. Woo, that baby went far, far away. Wow, (laughs) mid-sentence, too. Can we do a (laughs) check-in? Uh, sure. I'm fine. How are you? (laughs) I'm also fine. I have a UTI, so I'm drinking a vodka crayon. That is fucking tragic. That's it. I'm casting, oh my god, I'm casting my my feature film, Bittersweet Nostalgia. I'm currently in that process, and I have to show you one of the self-tapes I received. Like, it's Jamie. When I saw it, I was like, that's Jamie. Oh my god, I want to see it. Yeah. Short check-in today. Um, We don't have to talk much about what we're doing but it is ironic because I've my girlfriend came here uh this past weekend or whatever and I made her bring my Glee DVDs oh my god (laughs) I made her go to my parents house and grab all my Glee DVDs because I have all the seasons on DVD obviously because I was a Glee back in the day it's not on any streaming services right now so I asked her to bring them from my parents house LA and we have a DVD player so we're like rewatching it and also another crazy tidbit is 
Yeah, it got taken off of all the streaming services. My roommate Shelby and I both used to be gleeks, and so we're like rewatching it because there's really like no shows that we're into right now, so we're just rewatching Glee. It's so bad. Oh my god. But also today, Shelby texted me and said that she saw Ke uh, Kevin McHale at the gas station. And if you don't know who Kevin McHale is, he plays Artie, who's in the wheelchair in Glee. Oh. And she saw him at the gas station and she rolled down her window and said, are you Kevin McHale? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Nice to meet you. And he said, nice to meet you. <laughs> and she drove away. Oh. That's nice that he was, like, nice. Yeah. Corinne and I saw Connor Franta on our hike the other day. He's, like, an internet influencer. He used to date Troy Sivan. Sorry, I haven't Girl had a chance to greet the cats since I got home. It's okay. I bad because I came and I had a bunch of shit to unpack. Because so I had to get all my cake stuff from my parents. So, I like, I didn't even get to greet them. I feel I'm... When I text Corinne to ask her about, like, how, what keys she wants and stuff, I'm going to tell her, I'm like, I promise that I don't think that you're incompetent. It's just that I... I'm so anxious about me leaving them that the notes are going to be excessive. And they just have, like, random shit. Like, I have a doorstop on the bathroom door right now, and she might be like, why is that there? It's like, Kazaria locks herself in the bathroom if it's not there. She literally closes the door on herself, and then she just sits in there and cries. And then I open the door for her, and then she comes out. And then, like, ten minutes later, she does the same shit. So I finally put a doorstopper in there. <laughs> she knows. She doesn't care. You saw her fucking two-paragraph-long text message about, you can pick me up if you want, but I can walk if you, if that's easier. She's Dude, that way, was a so. long walk. So that was a really long walk. I that know. was, like, an eight-minute drive. I was like, you're not walking. And she's like, it's really short. It's only, like, 45 minutes. I'm like, you know. Yeah, more what I was talking about before, not, like, covering it on the podcast. I don't think that's problematic, but I've just had, like, trouble recently. Writers and creators taking true events, true things that happened, and fictionalizing them and then making them into a show. For me, I don't understand why you can't just make a story, make a show, and not attach it to real people with, like, real names, and then just tell a story about it. And then if people are like, this seems a lot like this real event. Is this based on this? Then you can be like, yeah, it's inspired by that. Mm -hmm. But then you're not like claiming to know all this shit because we talked about like with Spencer, which that's a little different, you know, but we don't like it when people are like adding to a story, like creators adding to a story. This is the train of thought. It's come back around. I remember when we, we appreciated about Spencer that the creators of that film and Kristen Stewart and everyone involved was like, we're not claiming to know anything that has never been unearthed before. You know, this is all public info and we're just kind of telling a story within that. That's all good and fine. The trend in Hollywood lately to take real scandals, real crimes, real deaths, whatever. Like we have the dropout with Amanda Seyfried. We have We Crashed with Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto. We have Inventing Anna. We have Pam and Tommy. That one's There's fucked. just a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes, too much dick, bitch. Why does um, the dropout need multiple versions? Because there's also a movie being created um, that Jennifer Lawrence is supposed to star as, um, what the fuck is her name? Elizabeth? Elizabeth Holmes. Mm -hmm. Like, why do we need a TV show and a movie of this scam art? 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's weird because the same thing kind of happened with the Ted Bundy thing, like back in what was that, like 2019? Yeah, where there were so many. Like the Zach Efron film came out, the Ted Bundy tapes, Netflix docuseries, and it was all Netflix. So it's like they knew mm-hmm. what they were doing, they released it all at once. It's a touchy subject, and I don't even feel like. I have the knowledge or, like, ability to speak on it and fully have, like, a definitive thing. But I'm just saying, if it were me, and I feel this way because I, I'm a creator, I'm a writer, I when I watch things, I watch them as a writer and what would I have done? Oftentimes, like, when I was watching Pam and Tommy, I was like, why did you have to attach their names to this? Like, it literally mm. could have... Because then they come out and say, Tommy has come out and said, this is completely off base and then you have people getting upset and like why not just write if you're gonna fictionalize it and have that disclaimer at the beginning that this is fictionalized certain Mm -hmm. aspects are fictionalized why not just make the whole thing fucking fiction change the names of everybody because in this too like certain names are changed like Susie or whatever is actually a girl named Alice so Mm -hmm. I don't know I struggle with it and I was just wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think more so... Well, one, when you're asking, like, why, I think it's because money and guaranteed audience, because people hear that and they have name recognition for it, rather than... Like, when you hear Pam and Tommy, and people who remember seeing that in live time are obviously going to check that out. Like, they're going to be excited to see that. Where if it's not advertised that it's that story might not pick it up (laughs) it's gonna just sound straight up problematic but i don't really care when they mess with like bad people (laughs) like fictionalizing already like bad people like i kind of feel like michelle carter if she's looking bad in this i don't really give a fuck but i do think that when there are like victims involved and like then i feel i'm like what about like ted bundy's victims families who watch who watch like this glamorized version of him on TV. Like with Spencer, I was like, I don't want them to be cha- like trying to change who Princess Diana was to like be edgy or like fit this new like open day and age. You know how we're like, we thought at yeah. one point like they might've been trying to give her like a bit of like an LGBTQ leaning yeah. line. And I'm like, if she wasn't like that, don't put that in there. So I don't know. I think it's a delicate balance when Hollywood's doing it. And honestly, some of it's done well, some of it's not. And we're never going to stop having movies like this or TV shows like this because they love to make them. I think it's just important that when you're watching this, you don't walk away from from watching this TV show and not looking up anything else that then you think that you know everything about the case and that you're speaking it out as fact when it's not. From my perspective, it's like fiction supposes life anyways and everything that is fiction, even though like high fantasy like fiction everything is drawn from real life you know that's how we we create stories and characters it's all drawn from the human experience which is rooted in truth and actual events in one way or another you know even game of thrones is Mm -hmm. rooted in like the british monarchy and kind of draws from that and then like the interpersonal relationships are probably from drawn from real life too so it's important to be mindful of that especially when you're watching something that is based again on someone's real life and death and someone's like wrongdoings and I don't know if everybody necessarily is mindful about that but you can't you can't control that so it is what it is I don't know I don't want this episode to be too like serious 
or whatever. And like, we are just talking about the show and there are definitely things mm-hmm. about this show that I appreciate. And yeah, I think it's, it's just an interesting perspective that we're coming from because you, like we've said, you've been aware of this case a lot longer than I have. You saw that documentary when it came out. I think my earliest memory of this case was I saw screenshots of the text messages between them on Facebook or something uh, circulating around. And I don't know if that was back in 2015 when this all went down or if that was later, like when I was in college. But I do remember seeing that. And then I remember you telling me about the girl who was inspired by Glee to (laughs) commit a fucking felony. (laughs) Which, that's the other thing that I think this case makes for, like, besides the fact that this case is just, like, bonkers in so many ways of, like, the Leah Michelle thing and, like, it's the case itself and how it was tried because, as it's mentioned multiple times in this show, like, assisted suicide isn't illegal. So this was, like, the first time that someone has ever been convicted, like, on this charge, like, in this Mm -hmm. kind of situation and it kind of like set a precedent moving forward like if any cases like this come up again this will be the case that is referenced which is why like again I don't feel like as bad about this one getting like a fictionalized version and like publicized because it was so groundbreaking that this will be something that like will be referenced for years and at the end of the day too like it spreads awareness and it really does do a good job of conveying like the psychology of teenagers i think it's a very accurate depiction of just being that age honestly and being super young and impressionable but also having this like freedom to make adult choices that can definitely create really messy situations you know like and just for me i have a personal kind of not connection to this case, but I was a huge fan of Glee, as we've talked about on this podcast before, and Corey Monteith's death hugely, hugely affected me. Like, I, at that time in my life, had never experienced loss really of any kind. My grandparents were all still alive at the time. No one close to me really had passed away. And when he, when the news about his death came out, like, it it felt like I lost someone close to me. And Glee, just as a, as a show, had more of an effect on me than anything, any other, like, form of media had ever had. <laughs> I don't want people to get the wrong idea when I say this, but I can in some ways relate to Michelle Carter and at least the character that Elle Fanning is playing. You know, every boy I had a crush on, I was listening to Glee songs and imagining that it was him singing them to me, you know, back in high school. And I wanted to start a Glee club. Michaela can attest to this. I was very, very impacted by this show. Like my, I acted and did certain things and even said certain things that I took from the show, you know, because it was my favorite show and I really, really saw myself in some of the characters. Obviously, I would never go to to this extreme extent. No, but I get what you're saying, though, that I think watching this too, and especially the part that, like, I can just understand how, like, in a teenager mindset and, like, Michelle being a loner and an outcast and not really having friends when she sees that it what she's seen on tv is then that rachel whatever her name rachel and glee is like overwhelmed with support from people around her that then she realized like hey maybe 
that's how like I can get these friends to come back to me or like get these people to like reach out to me. And she sees how that starts to work. And I think she realizes like this is, I think to her, she thinks that's the only way that she can get attention. Mm -hmm. As I'm watching that, it's like, I can understand how like in that like age and in like when high school, you think that like there's nothing else outside of high school. And like, this is the end all be all. And if I have no friends here, I'm never going to like have friends anywhere. Not again, not trying to justify her, but I do think that we just have to remember like she's a, she was, even though she was 18 when she was tried or whatever, like still 17, 18, you're not still making like rational decisions. People aren't making this irrational of decisions, but I think she had other shit going on in her brain. And who knows? Maybe she is just evil. Like, there's also that, too. She could just be, like, a horrible person. I don't know. Again, I think, like, what you said, how you could kind of see that with Glee. I can kind of see that with her trying to get attention from friends and, like, just trying to have a group of friends. And I think, too, at that age, I mean, that demographic, like, teenagers is the target audience for so much media and content that's being made especially back then too like that was the target audience for glee so like media really affects you in a different in a different way when you're that age i think like i don't feel the way that i i did when i was young and a teenager when i watch things you know like i just you really do look up to these people because they're older than you most of the time and like glee you know michelle carter is our age so she would have been kind of watching glee around the same time that i was and like for me i was watching it like eighth or ninth grade going into high school and watching like oh this is what high school is like and this is you know the types of relationships that i want and it's even more like crazy and i can even relate to her a little bit more like with the whole gay stuff going on here and I did do some research because I was like is this true or is this part of like the fictionalized thing but I personally I mean I remember really really relating to Santana and Brittany and really really liking them as characters and thinking about their relationship I think a little bit more than my other friends who were fans of the show I always kind of went back to like no I want to I want to be like Rachel and Finn like they are the main characters and that's how I want to be and that's like a horrible way to think obviously and really sad for me to think about now but it's true you know and I watching this show it's like damn I think the show isn't done yet so I don't know what conclusion the show is gonna try to make about the whole like was she trying to get Susie's attention or was she who knows what this bitch was fucking doing I don't I'm not gonna try to get into her mindset because that's just a very difficult thing to do I was gonna say even still like again when you're saying like you can relate once again we still would never make these fucking decisions but it is interesting to think about and i made some pretty horrible decisions when i was 17 and 18 but never would i have ever 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 told someone to drink bleach yeah (laughs) why don't you just drink bleach like no baby (laughs) i am kind of like again that was i mean i I mean how can i even say that that was taken out of context (laughs) <laughs> but I think like again just like I love you now Di does just give like and again we're not here to talk about that but gives it like a whole overarching picture because that gives like Conrad's side and like Michelle's side and how from like Michelle's side 
he was like always talking about how miserable he was and how he wanted to die and how he had these plans. Then he kept on like backing out or being like, I don't know how to do it. And so then finally, like what her side claims and like prosecution was like, finally she hit her limit. And then she thought that she was helping him out, which like, again, this is like the fucking defense attorney's case, which I'm not saying that that's like what it was. Again, she could just very well be pure fucking evil. Their defense of her, they were like, oh, well then she was like, well, how can I help him out with this? Mm. So when she says like, just drink bleach they said that she thought that she was helping him out by like giving him answers think that through before you send (laughs) the show is kind of showing us as an audience what we can kind of already denounce from the situation that she wanted her boyfriend to kill himself for attention i think you can kind of assume that Mm -hmm. from this case but that's a claim that can't really be proven anyways Mm -hmm. but i think the show is kind of showing us how she's capitalizing on all this attention yeah i definitely don't think the show is pro michelle in any way shape or form because so far there hasn't been like any sort of defense for her it's solely been like look at what she said like the one mirror scene when she's like Mm -hmm. singing in the mirror and practicing her speech and like glee and then she's like referencing glee in the background Mm -hmm. what the fuck like like watching that you're like yeah this she just did it for straight up attention so i don't think that at least when conrad's family said they hope that this doesn't defend her i definitely don't think it's doing her any favors so far oh no definitely not i think it's it's more of like a character analysis and i would like to think that Elle fanning is especially because she's like an executive producer on this. And she was probably being like compared to Michelle Carter because they do look very similar. I, yeah, I, I don't know what prompted Elle Fanning to want to pursue this project, but it, it feels more like a character analysis based on the facts that as the public already have on the case. It's not like they're going about it where it's like she's a misunderstood person and this is the real story. But yeah, that scene where she's singing in the mirror was excruciatingly long and super cringy all the moments where she like she quotes the fault in our stars at one point which is just like very very, like ours was an epic love story or something like she she quotes the fault in our stars i think two times so far that i've been able to track in the show again another film that was very prominent in the time where we were in high school and like representation of what love is and what love should be and how intense it can be when you're young and like enviable relationships and relationships to strive for but like is that i don't i i i don't know if i agree with that 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 is out there for like us to watch for like a relationship to strive for because i don't know how watching that movie that looks envious of that yeah no Um, i i don't think everyone is going to have that reaction but i think when you're watching something like the faults in our stars you're like damn i wish someone loved me that much not and again not everyone is going to be thinking like this but i remember going to the theaters with my boyfriend at the time to go see the faults in our stars and just not hoping that one of us would die obviously i remember at the end being like i'm so glad we're both healthy and like we don't have to deal with that but just i don't know maybe this is just me but like i was very much about image in high school and wanting to have that like enviable relationship and that connection with somebody that was kind of like more mature than what's expected of like a high school relationship and that was very much 
in Glee too, you know, they, these characters are getting married super young. Same with like One Tree Hill and lots of like media again yeah, that was fuck? directed at a very young audience, you know? It's like making these relationships that are teenage relationships very, very adult. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a very extreme example of the of the repercussions of that type of portrayal in the media. Yeah, I agree with that. I just know that when we talk about like certain like media or like topics on things and like even like One Tree Hill or shows like that that are like very dramatized and like fictionalized then when people are like we shouldn't be showing our kids these because this is problematic or this is like not a good example of a healthy relationship I'm sorry I'm trying to be fucking entertained and I don't want to watch two people with good communication I want to watch the tutor shy girl get with the toxic bad boy have a school shooting where he runs into the building for her she's pregnant and having their baby at their graduation he's paralyzed years later and then he's got his legs back and he's playing fucking and trampoline basketball okay I, and then he gets kidnapped <laughs> by like the basketball mafia i want to watch that okay let me have my fucking time and even when i was a fucking 17 year old i knew that that wasn't normal shit so it's not my problem or the media's problem if weird ass people like michelle carter can't tell the fucking difference that sounded like a presidential campaign that you're like running on that stance. Thank you. That no. would be my stance. That would be that it's not my problem and it's not the media's problem that people can't tell fiction from reality. That would be my fucking stance because that drives me crazy. I'm like, you can't take the few examples of people who think that that shit is okay and punish the rest of us. We're just trying to have a fun fucking time and make this life a little more bearable. Yeah, I think it it truly is like people like you who have a realistic view of the world and go to media for escapism. And I think now that I'm like more mature and not so much of a crazy pants in the brain, I also do that with media. But when I was like a young impressionable teen, the lines were a bit blurred with like media and reality for me. I just, I very much remember watching shows like Glee and One Tree Hill and being like oh that's just what high schoolers do that's what older people do that's what people who really really love each other even though they're in high school and everybody says they're super young that's what they do they get married when they turn 18 they emancipate themselves (laughs) like I I just they start clothing lines (laughs) right like I don't know what the difference between you and I is um maybe you had there's probably several factors. You had an older brother to kind of show you realistically what being older was, whereas I was the eldest child and I kind of went through everything first. And my older siblings were the Glee characters and One Tree Hill. That's all I had to go off of, of like what the future was going to look like. And yeah, it's very, very interesting how media has like a psychological effect on people and it's not consistent and we can't. It's not consistent across every single teenager who's watching stuff. And so we can't, you're right. We cannot make decisions and censor media based on the extreme examples and the choices made by a few misguided teens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a free fucking country. And if you make a poor decision based on something you watched on television where there's a disclaimer at the beginning if it's based on true events or if it's clearly like a fiction show then that's on you that's not on the the people who made the show because they're making it to entertain not to influence people it's not education it's right 
and Michelle Carter obviously got those wires crossed. Yeah, the qu- I have the quote from Fultz North Stars right here. She said, forever within a number of days. <laughs> like, what the fuck, bitch? And then how her sister is like, is that from Glee? <laughs> I'm like, that's so cringy, bro. The sister is my fucking favorite because she is like, you are unwell. (laughs) Straight up. It's like you're ruining my and fucking calls life. Out. And I I just think, what an opening. They really started the show out, like, in probably the best way that they could have, by Michelle going into her parents and being all like, Conrad died. And they turn and they're like, who's Conrad? Like, that is the best way to open this up. That right off the bat, we have her being super emotional and her family not even knowing that they were, like, together. Because so much of this relationship took place over text and, like, it really wasn't, like, a known thing to the people in their lives, which is wild to me. So no wonder it came out of, like, left field for, like, Conrad's mom when his girlfriend shows up and is like, I loved him and we were going to spend our life." Excuse me, we were going to spend our lives together. It's like, huh? I thought that was a great open. It was a very good way to, like, set this up. And, yeah, it's just weird. And I just can't imagine, like, being the parents in this situation and seeing those text messages and being like, oh, my God, she told him to drink bleach. Like, how do you defend that in this situation? And all parties involved. I can't. I cannot imagine. I do feel for the mom. I don't know if there's, like, more information about her that makes her not a very good person, but... I don't remember much about Michelle's mom. No, the... No, Conrad's mom. Oh, Conrad's mom? Oh, yeah, there's more. Or I don't know if we'll get in the show. More in the documentary, but... um, But, yeah, I do... Like, Michelle's parents, to, like, be totally oblivious to this, and then to seeing these text messages and being, like, my kid literally sent that to another person. Like, I would be like, literally, where the fuck did I go wrong? Because how did someone that I raised ever think that it was okay to encourage someone to do that and talk to someone in that way and think that any of this was okay? Also, I feel like the show introduced Rob early on in the episodes and then kind of he's like fallen off. But if I were him, I would have been like, this bitch is fucking crazy. Like, I would have I would have been like, get the fuck out. Like, I don't know who the fuck you think you are. And this is a very like extreme case. But I think when people die, there are certain people who like to like hop on the train and get sympathy and attention from other people. Like that is not unheard of. And I feel like that happens quite often. I think when, especially when a young person passes away, I've always found that to be incredibly cringy, like disgusting. Mm -hmm. And so strange, you know, like you can be affected by somebody Mm -hmm. passing away that you didn't know very well. Um, But like, I don't know. It's just weird to, just the way she had that whole like benefit thing in her hometown. It's a little interesting. And then so everybody there is like, we love you, Michelle. And it's just like, no, bro. And then her like going to go jump in the pictures, making the speech. And then when she's on the phone with the best friend and he's like, why are you having it there? And she's like, well, we, we could do it in your town. But like, I don't think I get the deposit back. And then she gets off the phone and she's like, can we put down the deposit? It's like, you know what you're doing. And I do agree. Yeah. I do think that's so cringy. And all I could think about when I was watching the Homers for Conrad thing is how pissed I would have been if this was like us back in high school. And if there was some random dude that came out 
out of nowhere and was like, Katie was the love of my life and like wouldn't even let me say like anything at a benefit for you when I've known you for over like almost our whole lives. Yeah, here's the thing. This would never, never happen with you and I. Okay? No. No. (laughs) I would fight someone. I would be taking someone in a back alley and I would say, I know what you're doing and you can fuck right the fuck off and I will kill you and your family. (laughs) So I don't like you. And Michaela didn't even like sports. So why are you fucking hosting a kickball (laughs) tournament in your hometown? That would be so true. (laughs) That would be so true. You'd be like, you're a real fake one because you, if you knew Michaela, you would know that she wouldn't want to fucking run around on a field outside. If you died, I would host a bar crawl in your honor. (laughs) I don't like the bars. True. I would host a, like an EDM concert festival. Yeah, that'd be fun. And then you can, like, spray me out of a cannon. Except on the tsunami drop, we change it to McKay. Boom. <laughs> and I'm, like, out of the cannons. That's how we spread your ashes. Like, close your mouths, people. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. We're dark. Um, yeah. I would host a bar crawl for you. A bar crawl would be appropriate for you. Yeah, I agree. How do you feel about the whole, like, because obviously this is, like, a very text-based case. There's, like, thousands of pages of text mm-hmm. messages. How do you feel about the decision in this show to make all of that in-person dialogue between the two actors playing Conrad and Michelle? Mm-hmm. Um, because they easily could have gone, like, the text bubble on the screen route. Yeah, I think I get what they were going for with that and that it is a better medium to, like, watch rather than just have people, like, read the text messages. And I think it does give more, like, for the audience a chance to see them together Mm -hmm. where, like, you wouldn't really have any scenes of them interacting besides the one beach scene in, like, what, the first or second episode or something? And then the funeral. Um, (laughs) Her grandma's funeral. Yeah, so... So I do get what they did there. However, I find those two together. I don't know the guy who's playing Conrad, what his name is. I find them very lackluster together. So I find myself extremely bored during those like text scenes that half the time, like I'm on my phone during them. I'm like, can we just get back to present day? Cause that's what I'm much more interested in. And like Michelle on her own where like, I don't particularly care for her and Conrad together. Interesting. I appreciate the decision to make it in person and I liked the moment where I real like the basketball scene where she gets a buzz mm-hmm. in her pocket and then he's like showing up behind her and then when I realized like oh they're texting and she's just envisioning him being there. I appreciated that and I agree that it makes for a more like dynamic scene to watch because otherwise we'd we'd be watching this show with just her like staring down at her phone or him staring down at his phone and then like bubbles popping up and it's like I might as well just read the screenshots again like on Facebook on a Facebook post or something um I do think that the actor who plays Conrad is very talented and obviously I think Elle Fanning is very talented as well I think that their chemistry it reads like you know an adolescent relationship it's not this um hyper romanticized thing like we would see in glee or one tree hill or something like that it's Mm -hmm. awkward even their in-person conversation on the beach it's very juvenile it's very um 
mm-hmm. kind of cringy and like just awkward mm-hmm. and how two underdeveloped brains would converse. So I, I, I did appreciate that. And I agree with you that they're not super compelling. And I think it's also because during those scenes where they're just reading text messages back and forth, I mean, that's what they're doing, you know, like they're just reading mm-hmm. texts and waiting for the other person to respond. Whereas a normal in-person conversation, that's not how people actually talk. It's like you're reacting to what they're saying and their facial expressions and so I think the the dialogue that we're seeing in person, but they're just reading their texts, it's very dry because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it still is a text. Yeah. While it doesn't make me personally empathize with Michelle Carter, and I think he would say the same thing, it establishes their relationship for what it was, you know, a text-based mm-hmm. relationship. I think it just makes for, at the end of the day, a more enjoyable watch to have the two actors conversing in person and the other one kind of just appears when they start talking. And it also Mm -hmm. kind of shows that Michelle didn't like this dude that much. She, I think she cared more to be loved. Yeah, I agree. I think it was, I don't necessarily think that even it was even Conrad. I think it was just the fact that he was the one who gave her attention. And unfortunately that's another thing I can relate to. It's like, I just need a boy to love me so that I feel okay which is like so sad to think about but I think I can again like I get this character and I think the way that they're portraying the story is very well done because you know I feel like I can understand but obviously I don't understand her actions I just understand her feelings we dealt with it very differently (laughs) Michelle Carter and I we dealt with this very differently I think I hate her all the more because I can see myself in her I don't necessarily look back on high school me very fondly (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um, yeah I can appreciate a show because it feels more authentic that way I had a few random notes about just the cringy aspect of so many things particularly in the first couple of episodes like the funeral when like Michelle runs up and like gives Conrad's mom a hug and like then when we see her like texting her and then the like baseball game when she like went to jump in the picture and everything there's just it's like so cringy Mm -hmm. but it's cringy like in a good way you know it's not like cringy like kissing boo yeah. <laughs> it's cringy in the way that you're supposed to be like oh my god this is like so uncomfortable how did she think that this was all okay and her not letting rob speak at the homers for conrad yeah. and just like even in the most recent episode when lynn is at the kmart where conrad killed himself like she pulls up her text thread with Michelle and there's just like so many mm-hmm. messages from Michelle and she's like I heart you yeah. and stuff it's just like uh, that's so weird bro like like I wouldn't even text your mom like that if some and, like we've been best friends for a long ass fucking time and like I wouldn't even be doing that after this long of a relationship right like it's so weird I do want to ask you because we've covered other Hulu shows before where there are only like a few episodes out and then have never I mean we don't like finish covering them on the pod so then like in turn we haven't ended up like finishing them but are you gonna finish this show even though we won't cover the rest of it yeah I was wondering that for myself I don't know I have had a very very difficult time lately getting into shows in particular I've been mostly just watching film recently and then um, like I said, Shelby and I are rewatching Glee. We tried watching Upload 
uh, which is an Amazon Prime original starring Robbie uh, Amell. Love him. Um, the original yeah, Joshua great. Templeton. He would have been so superior over the crust of whoever that other dude was. He really would. I didn't think that other guy was crust, but I would have really loved to see Robbie Amell in The Hating Game. But anyways, yeah, I tried watching that show. Didn't. It was good. Like, there was nothing wrong with it at all. It's just, like, I don't feel like I need to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. I just kind of am like, whatever. So I don't know. I mean, the only reason why I actually sat my ass down and finally watched it, like, yesterday and today was because we had to cover it on this podcast. I just, mm-hmm. I kind of spent my time doing other things. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how they end it. And especially how Glee relates to it, you know? It is interesting to me. I feel like... The Glee references are probably almost done because it was, I feel like that part's probably almost over unless they bring that up in the trial at all. But I don't know. I don't really feel like it will. Well, I'm wondering if she had a reaction at all to Cory Monteith's passing because she has that scene with Susie where they're talking about how Leah Michelle and Cory Monteith just like paused their engagement or whatever in real life. So I am interested to see if Michelle Carter did have a reaction to when Court Monteith passed away and what that reaction was. Oh, like in the past, if they would show a flashback of that? Right. Okay, because I was going to say, you know, they showed her like already doing that like singing montage and like doing the speech. So I feel like that was like what they were going to touch on as far as that goes. Yeah, I was just wondering if, like, because all we've seen so far is when Cory Monteith has been alive and her kind of romanticizing their relationship between Leah and Cory and Rachel and Finn. And then, um, and then is... like, the quarterback episode. Okay. Because I was going to say, he's, I thought he was already passed when she was doing, like, that montage. The, the part where she, like, sings. Yeah. Him. I loved that scene. No, not that. Um, the part when she's sit standing in, in front of the mirror and she's like crying and she's like copying oh. Leah Michelle's monologue. Like, is that not after he already passed? Yes, definitely. Definitely okay. he had already passed at that point. Yeah, I just yeah, the, would like the... a flashback to see, you know, if she had a reaction, what her reaction to that news dropping was. Because it seems like the show is going to have the reveal be like she was inspired by this situation and then wanted the attention of her friends and now how the prosecutors are gonna take the route of all of her friends are Susie she wanted the attention of all of her friends I'm interested to see what this show I will keep watching um just because like I said I've been intrigued by this case for a while and I'm most looking forward to like the court episodes because she waived her right to a jury trial like it was just the judge so again like something that you know not a lot of people do going into their cases I am excited to see how like the trial plays out. Oh, where now my train of thought is gone. Where was I? Oh, I'm interested to see how they show when they start communicating the way that when we get to like just drink bleach. I'm interested to see if they're going to show that Conrad came to Michelle and said, Hey, I don't want to be here. Or if they're going to do something like that, like maybe she sees Corey Monteith dies 
And then she starts to like suggest things to Conrad. I'll be interested to see how the show plays that because Conrad was already in a bad place without Michelle. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to see if they'll show that. Not saying that like, oh, he would have done it anyways without Michelle. Cause like we can't know that, but. I do think it's not, I don't think Michelle put him in that bad place to start. I think she saw it and then took advantage of it. Yeah, it's wild. It is a wild, wild story for sure. So I don't even know how many episodes it's supposed to be. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out too and I I wasn't seeing anything. I mean, I would assume like eight. That's what I would assume so, but I feel like they have so much ground to cover if they try to cover it in like three more episodes. As soon as that one scene happened though when Conrad and her were singing to each other, I was like, I bet Katie's loving this scene. I was because I just liked how his voice kind of faded in over Cory Monteith's or Finn's. Again, I mean, like, I I did that shit. Like, I pictured the boy that I had a crush on at the time singing to me, you know, or me singing with him or us doing a duet. I would listen to Glee songs and just, like, picture this stuff. So, obviously, I wasn't like, now he needs to die <laughs> because <laughs> we need to follow the storyline. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. I just think this case is so wild. And it's interesting that she was doing all this stuff when she was 17, but then she got tried as an 18-year-old. Like, the timing of that. Yeah, I wonder how they got away with that. that. And when you're 17, you can be tried as an adult in certain... um, Mm. I mean, when you're any age, you can be tried as an adult if you... Oh, true. Oh, bro, this UTI is fucking killing me. I hate my life right now. I'm so sorry. That is garbage. I used to never get UTIs until I started dating Corinne. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. All right. Do you have anything else? I literally don't. We need to figure out what we're doing with our lives the next. We're going to do a Game of Thrones rewatch in anticipation for the August release of what's it called? Dragon. House of Dragon. We're going to be doing season rewatches and breaking down the seasons leading up to Mm -hmm. that. Super excited for that. I cannot wait. In the near future, no fucking clue. So that's why Katie and I are going to sign off and we're going to figure that out. But we will be back next week like always. So fucking Lila's. Lila's.